0: gentleman of the street and he was sitting on the convent wall with his head in his hands taking pity on him she folded a 5 pound into a note with the words don't despair sister maria written on it she then threw it towards him where it landed at his feet the next day sister maria was told that a man was at the door insisting on seeing her she found the stranger of yesterday waiting and without a word He handed her some money. What's this? She asked. It's your 50 pound. Don't despair. Came in at 10 to 1. (laughs) If you are despairing, then you don't need to. What I want to do in this session is just look at two particular things, if we have the time, because I'm mindful that we have planters here, and I also want to, if if the opportunity allows... Uh, because of time, to then look at uh, the issue of repurposing. And that's a massive subject that you could take a whole day on. But there are some things that I just want to, to share from our experience here at Arena at a local level. But the first thing I want to do is address the planter. I want to address the leader. In fact, I want to address everybody. And as I was preparing this, I felt, surely not, Lord. I can't really, you know, talk about this because it was completely off the subject. And I felt very, very strongly yesterday fighting with it one of those things where you just fight with it but I knew the Lord wanted me to, to to talk to us about this because it's something I've had to learn at my cost I want to just read from revelations and chapter 3 and verse 1 to 3 it says there to the angel of the church in Sardis writes these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars I know your deeds you have a reputation of being alive but you are dead That word dead in the Greek is a metaphor. It means to be inactive, in decline. He then says, wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die. For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. It is reported, and I want to be careful with this, in the North American church. So I do want to be careful to contextualize it. That two-thirds of evangelical church leaders that start don't finish in the United States of America. And this is according to a recent survey. Let me say, the issue in most cases is not moral failure, but rather burnout and disillusionment. And at the heart of these, we can find the cause. I think we have a problem in the UK church. Educationally and intellectually, we are becoming highly qualified and informed. Wouldn't you... Might be the case. There's training upon training. There's all kinds of information. We're well informed. We're well read with podcasts, e books, blogs, and sites. We have IT capabilities, strategies, campaigns. We craft mission and vision, have creative loud music and PA, fantastic lighting, ambience, conferences galore, exceptional promotional materials and websites, our local churches. We have hosting leaders. Service coordinators, car park attendants, community programs, and engagement with civic leaders. Yet we neglect the very thing that will keep us centered and healthy, and the very thing that will give the new church plant real traction, time alone with God, every day. Now, Rick here, his last point in what to look for a church planter, was talking about a prayerful person. Now, let me say something to you, because most of you are just getting to know me. Those around my world from the team here know me more. And I say this very carefully, but I am a very focused person by nature. I'll, I'm very direct. So, I, you know, cut out the nonsense. Just tell me. What's the deal? And I'm very re- results-driven by nature. So numbers matter a lot to me. So you can imagine my... Insecurity and frailties when we have a, a Sunday where everybody's gone to Skeggy for the day and I'm and I'm here. So I'm very results driven kind of person. Let me say I love technology. I love Phil's illustration to the inspire guys and he's done it in our church here of our he has an iPad, but he has a diary, he carries his Bible with him, he carries a notepad with him, he can do it all on here. I love technology. I love vision, I love goals, and I love strategy. But I've learned over a number of years that this kind of driven, entrepreneurial, go-alone, giving God a hand kind of leadership is short-lived and will only take me so far. And let me say out of personal experience, a change needed to occur. And it did occur. I didn't hit a wall or face a moral collapse, but I knew I was empty. And this was many years ago. But through God leading me to certain books and certain messages... And gently and carefully and lovingly helping me, I realized that the issue was I was not spending time alone with God and therefore my soul wasn't healthy. We've just embarked and, 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 and gone through it and we're really chuffed about it in the right sense as a church. Um, the leaders had a clear sense that we needed to encourage the church to go through a 21 days prayer and fasting, which we did. And uh, I would... And, Conservatively, say that at least 60 to 70% of the church engaged in that that thing. Whilst in my reading, I I read this, and some of you, as I was, you're too young to even know the name, but for others you would know it. A man by the name of Arthur Wallace, who was father of the house church movement, he says this, How can we recover apostolic power while neglecting apostolic practice? How can we expect the power to flow if we do not prepare the channels? So let me say to you, daily prayer, regular fasting, moments of intentional solitude, a weekly Sabbath. I am one of the strange people who actually go to a convent to pray. I actually find that there's a convent nearby and I go and pray. Not as much as I would like to, but it's something that I've built into my rhythm of life. We now, as a result of David and Susan, after a meal, he really challenged me about um, uh, having a Sabbath. And since that time, you can tell him, Susan, we have had a Sabbath most of the time, regular holidays. But more than that, times where we have connected with God. Now I can't unpack all of those things—fasting, solitude, you know, Sabbaths, etc.—but I can address the issue of daily daily prayer because if you want to build healthy churches of substance and established ministries that will last, we've got to take heed to this. I'm speaking to the planters. I'm speaking to the leaders. We want AOG church planters to be planting churches out of healthy souls, not depletion. Now, I want to just read something to you. And then what I'm going to do just in my closing moments of this part is I'm going to show a video. The video is from Bill Hybels, and it's called Coffee with God. The reason why I show it to you is because I guess across here, with no sense of wanting to bring any sense of condemnation to anybody, but you were like me. Your devotional life, your daily life with God was not where it needed to be and where you wanted it to be. And let me tell you, as a planter, if you do not maintain that discipline, you will not stand the test of time. You will not. So I can give you all the, we can pull out all the magic tricks. But if we neglect this, we can forget operating in apostolic power. You can have all your strategies. And I love all that. You've heard me. But if we neglect this one thing, then we are sung. Let me read this to you. Ed Stetzer, a North American missiologist and church planter, wrote in Christianity Today. You'll just have to bear with me as I read it. I know this sounds basic. This was an article in Christianity today, as i said. I know this sounds basic, but many church planters neglect fundamental spiritual disciplines. An informal survey of Nehemiah Project Church Planters North American Mission Board revealed their greatest challenge was spending time with God. I talked to church planters all over the country from many denominations, and I am amazed at how many find it difficult to maintain a quality relationship with God. They love God. And they trust Him for the future of the church plant, but most, but for most, it has become a long-distance relationship. Let me tell you, church planting is a rigorous task that leaves planters physically, emotionally, spiritually drained. Church planters are busy and stressed. The inherent instability of church planting places constant pressure on these alpha leaders to excel. They feel that every sermon, every service, every advertisement, every contact, every event... ...must be exactly right for them to succeed. Performance pressure overwhelms their theological moorings... ...as to who they are in Christ... ...creating an incessant anxiety... ...which drives them even further into wo- to the work that drains them. It's a vicious cycle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Finding rest in the presence of God is the only answer. But rest rarely comes from the planter's mind... ...is a vortex of what must be done next... Next becomes the enemy of God's work in their lives now. Consequently, the planter's relationship with God gradually erodes over time, leaving him spiritually dry and empty. Listen to me being tired is just part of planting a church. You will be tired. Ask Phil and I and the team who do Sunday morning. We've done a full weekend, Sunday night. Well, I don't need any rocking after it. It's tired, physically tired. But burnout and disillusionment don't have to be. Put your spiritual life in order first. And the fresh wind of leadership will follow. I want to encourage you as a planter and as a leader. If you're already doing this, I just want to add fuel to you. But for some of you here, here today, you know, I just want to encourage you to take time every day to spend with Jesus. And that will keep you centered. I wonder if we could run the video, if we could dim the lights, that would be helpful. And we'll just watch it. It's just for nine minutes. Thank you, Olivia. I understand it's a little bit unconventional when I'm dealing with planters and leaders to speak something like that because you would think that it would be uh, best served um, in a new discipleship, new Christians group. And yet, I have a sense and a sneaking suspicion that actually what we've just heard resonates in all of our hearts. Can I encourage you, please, as a planter, to find your place where you can meet with God? every day so now on to what do we do with regards to the planting the repurposing I have 15 minutes and uh, it is impossible to uh, address this subject in in the time that allowed but I just want to look at there are four things for us to consider that I think we should consider there's probably more Rick would have more and what excellent sessions So far, we've had in terms of the breakout sessions, and Rick and John, absolutely fantastic. But there are four things for us to consider in terms of repurposing a church. I want to say the first thing we should do is you've got to know your past. You've got to know what you're actually walking into. Looking at the video from Bill Hybels, Bill Hybels was asked a number of years ago on a visit to the city of Durham, in the United Kingdom, what would he do if he was to take on this old, established, Anglican church? And his response immediately was, I would do nothing for the first six months. I would find out the history and the past, and then we would move forward from there. I think it's vitally important, as we look at church planting across Assemblies of God, it's not just going to be new churches, but there's going to be a repurposing, a taking over, of old established churches. And I think it's very important that we understand and we know what we are walking into. And there are two categories for repurposing. It may be that there is a good church that needs re-energizing. We're not always looking at a struggling congregation. It may be a church of, uh, it could be a sizable church, but the reality is it's lost its outward focus. It's gone inward. It's no longer centered around the community and about reaching people far away from Christ. It's in maintenance mode and yet it's full of great people. Good giving people, people who want to serve. And that is a repurposing exercise that needs to happen. Not every repurposing church has to be a train wreck. Hello? So some of the opportunities that I believe that are going to come to Assemblies of God are going to be through churches that you know, are relatively good, but they need repurposing. But of course, there's the other side to it, and that would be our journey in terms of a failing church that needs killing. So there are good churches that need re-energizing, but there are also failing churches that that need killing. You see, you have to understand, in knowing your past, what have I inherited? What am I inheriting? Our experience was when we took on locally uh, Mansfield, which is 25 minutes up the uh, M1 Junction. We're at Junction 26. That's at Junction 28. There'd been a church that had been around since the 50s in in a housing estate uh, in the the, the town of Mansfield, a large town, 100,000 plus. And uh, there were conversations that needed to be had. Phil, in his role, denominationally, had... I'd been uh, with with Kevin, had been taking care of that church and just him knowing my heart and passion. We broke at a meeting with the trustees. But listen to me, if you're going to repurpose a church, you've got to have the conversations. You've got to sometimes have the tough conversations. You've got to get everything out onto the table. Get all the cards on the table. You don't want any surprises afterwards, both ways. You need to understand what are the expectations of this remnant. What are they looking for? Because if you're not careful, you can begin to over-promise and then under-deliver. And it was my experience and our experience that we needed to have the conversation with the trustees. Tell them what will happen. In knowing your past, tell them what will happen. These are some basic things, and I'm sorry they're not overly exciting. But if you're not careful, you'll go into something and you'll start blasting away. And this wasn't on the agenda. Tell them what you are planning to do. If I can use the example again, because that's all I know, we met with the trustees, we said to them, you know, we will no longer be meeting in this building. This building was very, very special to many of them because they buried their mums and dads there. They'd got married there. But I knew that wasn't the building where we needed to be. So I said to them from day one, Phil can bear me out, we will not be meeting in this building at all well, what will happen to it? We will probably end up boarding it up and we will probably end up selling it. But there was was the the conversation. We told them clearly that we would not be keeping the name because there had been, without going into detail, there had been a lot of um, uh, immorality and difficulties around the life of that church that needed sorting out. It left a bad taste in many people's mouths. And so we needed to just shut the door to the past, so we could enter into the new. You've got to know your past. You've got to have the conversations that need to be had. You've got to deal with the past. So, July the 4th, 2010, Independence Day in the States, we had a funeral service. We had a funeral service. This is our part of our repurposing. We didn't carry the coffin in, but we told them that this was the last service. We was now honoring the past. So, have you ever been to funeral services where they're talking about somebody, and you know what they're really like, and you don't know who they're talking about who's in there. There's always good in everybody. But what happened is, I thought, are you, are you for real? I, I not who I saw. We told them what had happened in this church. We weren't aggressive, we weren't brutal, we weren't unkind, but we said there had been many things, that had been good things that had happened in over, this, over the church. There had been people who'd found Christ, some of the people here. But unfortunately, there was other things that had happened around the church, and we just began to name the things that had happened. You may say, that's really brutal. We just began to speak to the sin that had been hovering over that church, and they said, this is no more. David Sherman said to me, as I was talking with him about before we did that, he says, the problem is, Christian, people continue to sweep things under the carpet and then they ultimately trip up. And that was the problem. There are too many churches that have swept things under the carpet and not dealt with them. So we dealt with them. And uh, we had a funeral service and I haven't got time to talk about the significant spiritual thing that began as the Spirit of God came into that meeting as I prayed. Literally, Phil, yes? The Spirit of God came in. With the with the dozen people to the point where people were there were groans in the in the service and these people had nothing to do with the stuff that had gone on but it was dealt with you've got to know your past you've also got to know your place so if you want to repurpose it's no good saying well we're going to just um, you know in the context of church planting I'm, I'm not I'm not a massive um, advocate of You know, it's worked here, so it's guaranteed to work there. I think there are principles that we can use, but you've got to understand the kind of place that we're going into. So, Ilkeston, population, 35,000 people. Surrounding, 50,000. Mansfield, 100,000. If you take Sutton and Kirkby, 150,000. We're talking a much bigger area. We need to understand our place. Know your place. Know what you're working with. Rick mentioned that in terms of some of the research that you can make. I've got files of information about... The, the demographics, the statistical reports, knowing what's happening in terms of the councils and the police, etc., 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 around the area. You've got to get to know your place, and then you be, can begin to speak and reach into that place. We haven't got time to 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 unpack that. You've also got to know who is your audience, who am I trying to reach, what are my suri- surroundings, who am I going after. These are all questions that need to be asked before you go into a repurposing context. We had a very, very clear strategy of what we wanted to try and do with regards to Mansfield. It was centered around a Sunday gathering. It was a Sunday night church. We were committed to booking the trend of not just saying it had to be through Sunday mornings, but we were believing that Sunday night church could grow again. And some of you who think, well, Sunday night church is done, you know, if you feel God speaking to you, go for it. God can can work through any time in the day. God can do anything if He's spoken. I was speaking to Steve uh, Peach. Where is Steve? Steve was just talking to me about some of the things that some people had said to him. Oh, it won't work, well, and he's just doing it. And I believe it's going to work, Steve. For you, I really believe it's going to work with all my heart. And God's going to bless you way beyond what you thought, as we heard this morning. So know your place, know your people. What I mean by that is deploy your team. We've again heard that. Understand who you've got to work with. Work in the context of team. We have a we have a statement here that's. That's, that's around. We have to defer and prefer. If you are forever wanting the glory, guys, if you're forever wanting to be the man who scores the goals, then you need to grow up. And ladies. If you're always wanting to be in the limelight, if you're always going to be the shining star, then you need to really sort your attitude out because it's not going to get you very far. It really isn't. You know, when we brought... Um, when Phil came into Arena Church, I had to navigate my way through. Well, what, what do I do now when people start giving him rounds of applause as he's preached a message and he comes off the stage? And let me tell you, that happens most weeks and they never give me a round of applause at all. I got, I got nothing. How am I, how, what is that going to do for me? But because we were committed to working in a team and bringing the best out of Phil and the best out of the team and living with deferring and preferring, honoring one another above ourselves, that's how you build a team. That's how, you, that's how you plant churches. It can never be alone. I love the fact, Rick, that you had 100 people. And made God do that more and more in Assemblies of God. But you're right. You need 10 people, 20 people as part of a team that works together. When we went to Mansfield, repurposing exercise, there was 25, 30 people that went on the journey for 12 months who committed themselves to it. We knew that we couldn't do it alone. Get the right people in the right places. And the last thing is, You've got to know your purpose. Have a clear and compelling vision. Listen to me, it's no good inheriting the old vision. The old vision wasn't working. We're talking about the context of repurposing a church. What is the point of going into a thing that isn't working or it isn't your vision? You've got to bring ownership to what you actually are believing that God has spoken to you. And it's got to be clear, it's got to be compelling. And you don't need to launch that on the first Sunday necessarily. Some of you are going into repurposing and you're in a hurry. I'm always in a hurry. I'm always in a hurry. I'm always seeing for the. Well, come on, we've got to get going. And Phil says to me, "I live with holy frustration." He's right. I'm constantly frustrated. Anybody here constantly frustrated? Wave your, wake yourself. I'm constantly frustrated. I'm always wanting more. I'm always believing for more. I'm always saying, "God, why?" You know, come on, do it for us, Lord. I live with that. I live. But you've got to learn to be patient. Particularly in repurposing. Don't all go, you know, bull in a china shop. Sometimes that needs to happen. And you have to kill some things. But also, just make sure you pick your fights well. Make sure you pick your fights well. Some guys, we know you want lots of young people in your church. We know that. But some of the old people are the biggest givers in your church. Hello? And they're actually not causing you any difficulties. They're not being awkward. They're not being difficult. You start ripping all that up and getting everything in. You will send them away. You will not have a church. You know, please be careful. Those who are reaper, please, please, please be careful in terms of how you approach this. And go slowly. Go patiently. But have a clear and compelling vision. Not inheriting the past vision. But getting a God-given purpose for yourself. There is so much more, I believe, that we could say, and I'm sure Rick and Grayson and other people, Chris, and other guys could, you know, there's many people around this room who have repurposed, who have been involved in repurposing churches, but there's some of the things that have just been a guide to me as I've just took some notes down, just to help me, just guiding me through in terms of how we go. And like I said, you must understand, when I talk about patience, because I really want to underline this, by nature, I am not patient. My wife is here. I won't bring attention to her because she'll get all embarrassed, but she will bear out. I am not patient by nature in any way, shape, or form, but I have had to learn to be patient. I'll use the phrase again. Sometimes we have to slow down to speed up. You have to sometimes slow down to speed up. And try and take, you're not going to take everybody with you. We've already heard this morning, there are people, they're always not going to like you. We, we had in the first You know, a couple of weeks we had people who who said, uh, you know, we're leaving and and whatever. And it was, well, God bless you. God bless you in two other areas. There was no issues. That's fine. But we determined to live with patience in terms of plotting our course through so we could see God do something great in this new repurposed church. So in closing, please, planters, make sure that you find a place where you can meet with God. Because that will keep you healthy. That will keep you strong. Church planting is hard graft. It really is. Ministry is hard graft. There's nothing else like it. I've worked in the context of business. And if I can say this, business is a stroll in the park compared to church. It really is. Because you have no leverage. But please, maintain a healthy soul. And those who are in the middle of repurposing, about to repurpose, just take those four principles, simple areas, and I believe that God will help you with them. I wonder if I could just pray, if that's okay.